0: everyone with an interest in NASH, or more broadly, fatty liver disease, Surf's Up, season two, episode 29 of Surfing the NASH Tsunami. Our first preview of the 2021 digital ILC starts now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, of course, we will discuss multidisciplinary management that are related to the huge impact of uh, an FLB and associated metabolic derangement, not only on the risk of liver disease, but associated cardiovascular conditions, renal disease, also some specific forms of cancer. This condition cannot be considered as a liver disease only, but it's a multisystemic disease.
2: So I think there's work to be done there. There's work to be done on therapeutic monitoring. There'll be data presented relative to that. And then long-term Patient outcome measures. That's the other hot topic area where we can really begin to bend the needle. And as we're able to show long-term outcome measures with non-invasive tests, we have the unique ability to step forward, lean in, and potentially leapfrog liver biopsy as an endpoint for NASH clinical trials. I'm excited to
3: see that we're now looking at the lifestyle intervention because for a long time, it hasn't been the focus of where we're going. And I think we're getting more and more evidence that it's going to be the main, stay for a long time
4: Every week A global community of fatty liver disease stakeholders comes together to explore the most important challenges in diagnosing, treating, and developing medications for patients with fatty liver diseases. Join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guest, hepatology researcher, key opinion leader, and EASL scientific committee member Professor Luca Valenti, as they preview the upcoming digital ILC 2021 conference this week on surfing the Nash tsunami.
0: For those of you in the States, or I guess in the UK, this is Tuesday. We took the holiday yesterday to remember those who gave their all in service of our country. And we are back today. We're fortunate enough to have Luca Valenti with us, Professor Valenti. Luca, say good afternoon to everybody, please, or good evening, I guess, where you are. Hi,
1: everyone.
0: Luca joins people like Jorn and Vlad in coming on this podcast at 9.15 in the evening. So we're extremely appreciative of them for doing that. And then we have Louise with us. Hey, Louise.
2: Hi, everyone.
0: And we have Stephen with us. Stephen is at the lake. He was telling us about his art. How are you?
2: Hey, guys, I'm doing well. Good to be here. Luca, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks, good well, to you. Luca is with us because um, one of the things we will be announcing is that Surfing the National Army has now f- formally been appointed as a media partner for the Digital ILC by Easel, We wrapped up that agreement after a bunch of work on Friday. And as a result, Luca was good enough to be able to join us today and help us preview this meeting. So Luca, as I've mentioned to you, normally when people come on for the first time, we ask that they take two or three minutes, tell us a little bit about themselves, and then end by telling us one thing that might surprise our listeners about you.
1: Okay, Roger, thanks. Well, actually, as you told Amir, because I'm part of the EASL Scientific Committee and the governing board and was involved in the organization. International Liver Congress, which will be partnering with you. Um, would be very glad to introduce you uh, some aspect of the program of the ILC, which I think are very exciting. So for those who don't know me, I'm a professor of uh, internal medicine at the University of Milan and been working in the field of uh, hepatology, in particular uh, metabolic liver disease, fatty liver disease and NASH since many years right now, particularly in the field of genetics. And what uh, you don't know about me, I mean, we were, Discussing before, Roger. Actually, I'm a great fan of uh, uh, AC Milan, which is not surprising yet, since I uh, work at Milan University of Milan. And can't wait to have the opportunity to see again my favorite football team live in the stadium with my son. Did you grow
0: up in Milan or have you only uh, come there for your work?
1: Actually, I grew up very close to Milan uh, in the countryside, but that's about uh, 40 kilometers. It's very close to the city. And I studied in Milan and after a short period in the U.S., Columbia University, or studied diabetes and metabolism. I came back and then I got the position at the University of Milan. Always, most of my career I spent there at the the University of Milan.
0: Well, thank you very much. That's a great way to get us started. And I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the conference today and Stephen and Louise as well. Why don't we kick off just standard icebreaker as befits the fact that it's the end of a holiday weekend and stuff. Just one good personal or professional thing that's happened in your life in the past week. Brave one, go first.
1: Professionally, i heard I uh, will be appointed to direct a, a clinical service uh, organizing the, the uh, Biological Research Center and Precision Medicine Group at my hospital, which is kind of a good thing to work on re- research aspects of uh, liver disease at my hospital. So I think that this was a, a good news. Congratulations. That's fantastic news. And uh, let's see if anybody
3: can top
0: that. I know I can't.
3: Oh, I'll jump in next, I suppose, for me and tell us something. Health it's that we're opening our clinics again now. So we're reopening in Harley Street and we're reopening over in the city. So it's all positive currently, which is excellent news for us.
0: That's great. Will you still be working with the NHS or are you stepping back from that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I'm still working with the NHS. As my husband says, I work 365, 24-7 at the moment. If I'm not doing one thing, I'm doing the other or joining you guys. So no, certainly that's exciting. We've got a number of people who have been waiting for the clinics to open to get their fiber scans independently. And I think looking at COVID recovery scanning in the NHS as well. So everything's certainly positive for us at the moment to try and assist in all of those areas, which is good.
0: That's fantastic, Stephen.
2: Yeah, I can't beat either of those. All I can say is I'm happy that uh, screening for clinical trials appears to be continuing to pick up. We're having uh, record months for screening here in Texas for NASH clinical trials and just hopeful that we'll be able to generate positive data so that we can keep the field moving in the way we need it to move.
0: That's great, Stephen. Thanks. And I can't even match that. I would love to have been able to talk about how we got to our new digs here in Texas and my recording site was exactly what I wanted it to be. But without regaling you folks with the details, let's just say nothing is exactly what I'd hoped. Except that we are doing the podcast today, so that's a good thing. I guess what I'll have to settle on instead is the partnership with Easel, which is really exciting. I'll talk about that more directly during during the business portion of our program. But we're going to do some things as part of that that we've just not done before and tried some new things. Very exciting. Really good stuff. With that, let's talk a little bit about the conference. And I want to ask a few questions. And then Steve and Louisa, obviously feel free to jump in. You say you're on the Scientific Organizing Committee. Now, what exactly is that group responsible for organizing for the conference?
1: Well, actually, we are involved in um basically drafting the scientific content of the conference and organizing the, the session, the symposia, the collaborating with the, those who are organizing the postgraduate course and the basic science seminar and evaluating the abstract and uh, drafting the oral session and so on. So the, the, this is related to international, the DLC but we are also involved in, of course, in organizing all the other easel events like the nefl Summit, which will be held, for example, in the autumn and that's it's mainly uh, concerning the ILC.
0: That's great. So this is a digression. But since this is a NASH podcast, mostly, the idea of the NAFLD summit is very exciting. Is there anything you can share about that before we go back to ILC?
1: Well, concerning the summit this year, it will be organized by me with Quentin Anstey and Anneli iki and it will be especially focusing on translational research and the field of NAFLD, the identification of new targets uh, and new biomarkers for these conditions. So I think it will be kind of also complementary to the ILC, and I'm very excited to the to this meeting and I advise you to to participate to hear the, the latest news in science concerning infertility ear disease. Well congratulations
0: that's really exciting. Was there a specific Reason that motivated EASL to do the NAPL Summit as well?
1: Well, the, the summit is uh, one of the key conferences organized by the EASL. We have a liver cancer summit, for example, and we try to organize the summit related to the most hot topics uh, in pathology to update on the science, the drug development, and so on, and involve also the, the industry and the companies in the field. This is particularly focused on a specific aspect which cannot be done so extensively in general, uh, a conference, which, uh, like the ILC, which presents all of the latest news in the whole field of pathology.
0: So let's go back to ILC for a minute. Well, let's go back to ILC, not just for a minute. What is the one thing about the ILC that you find most
1: exciting? This year. this year, we'll have a new platform compared to the first digital ILC we have last year. And this will provide the, the possibility to have additional features, some exciting new features like the possibility to relate and connect with peers and personalized suggestion to specific content that you may be interested in based on your specific profile. And it will also give you the possibility, for example, to network with people working in your area of expertise and uh, to set up meetings and so on. So I think there will be a lot of possibility of networking, even if it won't be able to be there, which will render this experience not to miss. Will, will you be doing formal, well, I guess what they call our speed dating kinds of sessions where people just
0: meet for a couple of minutes and talk and go from talk to talk to talk, person, person, person?
1: We're discussing it, but there will be a, certainly the possibility to people and dedicated virtual rooms. In terms of the
0: content of the meeting, are there any specific, I know you can't talk about what's in the abstracts, but we can talk about the titles and the sessions. Are there any particular topics, that are going to get a lot of attention that you think people will find interesting or will want to be involved
1: with. I was particularly dedicated to drafting the fatty liver disease or NAFLD session, and we will have exciting data from the original presentation session, both from uh, the NAFLD uh, dedicated oral abstracts and the symposium. as well. This year, the symposium will be mostly dedicated to the clinical management of NAFLD, both the multidisciplinary management of the disease, the advanced and therapeutic, development and the role of lifestyle management in the management of this condition. The oral communication, we will have also important novelties, uh, which will be presented in both the general session and in the late breakers. And this will be a particularly exciting session where uh, results of both, uh, I would say, early stage trials and late stage trials will be presented. So we will cover the broad. the the whole spectrum of uh, drug development uh, in uh, NASH from the first in human studies with new therapeutic targets coming from genetics, for example, to phase two studies, new promising drugs acting on metabolism and new targets to initial results from phase three trials, which will uh, report the the results of uh, the drugs in in the most advanced stage of development. And we will also have the new data on combined non-invasive biomarker able to identify patients at risk of liver disease and to monitor disease progression. Stephen, Luis, do you have any questions for Luca at this point?
2: Well, It sounds like a terrific agenda and a terrific group of topics to discuss and go through. There's been, as you know, Luca, a wealth of data that's come out since AASLD, and it seems like every six months, the amount of data that comes out exponentially rises. I was just looking back on some work that we've done with Litmus, for which you're a part of as well, and just two recent publications looking at non-invasive markers sequentially combining Fib4 plus FibroScan, you know, liver stiffness to predict development of cirrhosis. And there are many others, you know, that's just touching the tip of the iceberg. There's new data with ProC3, new data with ELF, new data with other sequential combinations of tests to include MRI plus additional clinical variables. So we're beginning to really dive into how effective these non-invasive tests are for three different contexts of use, and I allude to this all the time, we have to get better at diagnosing the at-risk NASH patient. I think we're relatively good at excluding disease. We're not yet there on identifying advanced disease, or where is it? You know, are they F2s, F3s, F4s? We're just really good at telling you you don't have disease, but we're not really good at pigeonholing you into a disease category once you have been identified at risk. So I think there's work to be done there. There's work to be done on therapeutic monitoring, and I suspect Luca, there will probably be data presented relative to that. And then long-term patient outcome measures, I think that's the other hot topic area of where we can really begin to bend the needle. And as we're able to show long-term outcome measures with non-invasive tests, that's where we have the unique ability to step forward, lean in, and potentially leapfrog liver biopsy as an endpoint for NASH clinical trials. I don't think we necessarily have to always compare ourselves to a biopsy. If we're able to take a non-invasive test and link it to an outcome, the next step is taking that non-invasive test, showing there's improvement in the non-invasive test, and linking that to an improved outcome. And I think that's where the exciting data will be generated over the next 6 to 12 months. And then the therapeutic area is one that's incredibly exciting. Not only is monotherapy As we begin to break down therapies into those that are good for cirrhosis, those that are good for non-cirrhotic NASH, injectables versus orals, those therapies that have extra hepatic benefits on liver disease, on glycemic control, atherogenic lipids, renal function, and the like will will be exciting to see. And then the combination therapy paradigm is really just beginning to grow wings and take off. So just touching the iceberg on those two topics would keep us going for a long, long time. Without even discussing other aspects of fatty liver disease, liver transplant, liver cancer, and those sorts of things, so I'd be interested to know if there's any new epidemiologic data you think that's going to be important that could be highlighted at the meeting. Yeah, that
1: would be as you mentioned, and I completely agree with your point of view. This related to the biomarkers would be a very important point in the future. That the ability to correlate the biomarkers with the long-term hard clinical outcomes in the disease, and we will have data on. Combination, for example, biomarkers and liver stiffness measurement that will be related to the ability to rule in the disease. We will also have epidemiological data coming from different courts relating the, the impact of the NASH, the diagnosis of fatty liver disease on, on mortality and clinical actions, which will present what, what is the burden of uh, an FLD on both uh, the, the hepatic and uh, the extra hepatic disorders uh, and, uh, and on the clinical events in the population.
2: That's Absolutely, it does. Uh, the other area that Lucas spent some time in, and, and he also mentioned Quentin Anstey, is the area of genetic biomarkers. And you know, is there is there going to be some updates there relative to something, say, potentially like polygenic risk score for Nash? Any new data on pmpla A three or HSD seventeen beta thirteen or, or any of the the more novel genetic markers, combinations of markers? That I think there's always new data there. I would imagine there's going to be new data at Easel relative to that also. Yeah, there would be new data on the impact of
1: genetic biomarkers of the disease, as you say, as uh, an expanding field. There would be data presented also on new risk variants for this condition, HSD 17, which is a very important one because it will be also linked to some uh, new therapeutic approaches uh, during the ILC. There will be two presentations, uh, for example, on uh, therapeutic approach aiming at suppressing the protein encoded by this HSD17-B13 gene mimicking the protective effect of this genetic variant on the risk of the disease. And this will be presented during the meeting. And there will also be new data on genetic uh, other genetic risk variants for uh, this condition that will possibly align other pathways involved in disease predisposition, which uh, will uh, further improve our ability to stratify the risk of a progressive liver disease. And this may be particularly important in young individuals uh, who have not yet developed advanced uh, disease, but may be at risk in the future because of genetic predisposition and metabolic risk factors, for example. Yeah,
2: that's exciting, for
0: sure. Yeah, I agree. That sounds really, that sounds fantastic. So let me turn to Louise. I know, Luca, you talked about a lot of papers that get close to Louise's nearest and dearest but lifestyle intervention, That exercise, all those things. Louise, anything in particular you'd like to ask about, know about, comment on?
3: I'm excited to see that we're now looking at the lifestyle intervention because for a long time, it hasn't been the focus of where we're going. And I think we're getting more and more evidence that it's going to be the mainstay for a long time. Is there any abstracts that you're aware of looking at when Stephen talks about the genetic markers as who responds better to certain lifestyle markers, certain interventions? Because if we could pick out who's not going to respond to exercise or who's not going to respond, to various different models that we use then we can tailor lifestyle modification particularly that maybe get more enthusiasm for patients
1: no we, we will not specifically ask uh, presentation focusing on the on this aspect uh, Also, the the impact of lifestyle on an FLD with've we will be covered a lot. We will have uh, the whole uh, postgraduate course uh, on the lifestyle uh, and the liver, so impact of lifestyle on the risk of not only on FLD, but also uh, in general liver disease and focus section on on the lifestyle management of FLD. So we, we know that actually individuals uh, at higher genetic risk uh, respond, tend to respond to, for example, weight loss and, and lifestyle management. Uh, we, we don't yet uh, the answer. And There there won't be specific data, unfortunately, on the impact of um, lifestyle management approaches in uh, patients stratified by the genetic risk yet. But this is, uh, of course, a very interesting field of research for the future. Yeah,
3: and I think we're certainly putting more into that, and I think the plethora of abstracts that I've seen are just very exciting the range this year is very good and I enjoyed the platform last year to see that improved will be interesting and um, enhance the conference yet again which is for a uh, a digital format would be quite groundbreaking, I
0: hope. Yeah, I agree. I thought that when I'd heard about the enhancements on the digital platform, it struck me that this was the best digital platform I saw last year. So after they went first and other people did not quite get up to the level that easel was at, to have easel then raise the bar again, I thought was really exciting. Look, one of the things you mentioned, if I understood correctly, were multidisciplinary around naffeld, And and, I, and can, can you talk a little more about that and what kinds of other specialties or disciplines you're bringing to the discussion? And some of the titles that might be on that subject, perhaps?
1: Yeah, of course, we will discuss the most important aspect of multidisciplinary management that are related to, as we discussed before, the huge impact of an FLD and associated metabolic derangement, not only on the risk of liver disease, but of associated cardiovascular conditions, renal disease, for example, also some specific forms of cancer so that this condition cannot be considered anymore like just a liver disease only, but it's a multisystemic disease and we will have to manage in clinical teams, which will be hopefully led by an hepatologist, but we will have to include, for example, an internist, a specialist internal manager to manage the team, uh, an endocrinologist to manage diabetes and complication, the cardiologist to manage cardiovascular disease associated, coronary heart disease, and so on. The nephrologist for patients who with uh, renal involvement, uh, a nutritionist, which will be, as we uh, discussed before, important for the lifestyle management of these patients and so on. And this will also have to be in contact with the GP managing the, the patients because we probably most of these patients will have to be managed in association and in, in collaboration with the general practitioner because of the very high prevalence and associated comorbidities due to the fact that this will be seen in the territory and it should be referred to the teams and international referral centers. We should not forget when we talk about Patients with liver disease, which we see in the clinic, about the risk of liver cancer. And the multidisciplinary approach is also very important in evaluating the patients with focal lesions, suspected liver cancer, or confirmed hepatocellular carcinoma, which is a fear complication of the disease. And we'll also have a session at the ILC, which I advise you not to miss, which will deal with the multidisciplinary management of liver nodules in patients with an FLD, which is a very important topic for clinical pathologists.
0: That's fantastic and really helpful. I guess the other question I had, a different way of thinking about multidisciplinary, is while vaccine is starting to affect the impact of COVID in some of the more advanced markets, in the developing world, it's still a horrible problem and not likely to go away anytime soon. Are there topics on COVID and the liver that build on both the, the idea of, of that patients with liver fare worse if they get COVID, but conversely that patients with NAFLD have an inferior outcome if they then proceed to develop COVID. Will there be much on the subject?
1: Yeah, exactly. We will have also a presentation or confirming with corroborating with complementary data what is already appearing in the literature so that patients with NAFLD or metabolic dysfunction associated with fatty liver disease may be at increased risk of developing COVID-19 and in particular severe COVID-19. And this may be independent, this increasing the risk may be independent of classical risk factors so metabolic risk factors for COVID-19, such as, uh, for example, obesity, mainly obesity and type 2 diabetes. We'll have a same presentation and uh, reporting the experience uh, in uh, South America and this condition reported the impact of COVID-19 on these outcomes. And this is particularly important because the, from the data in the literature, it is emerging that uh, whatever the mechanism linking fatty liver disease, NEPFLD, to severe COVID-19, uh, whether or not liver fat accumulation has a causal role, in determining inflammation and, and severe disease, NFD is a marker of an increased risk of this condition, and this should be another element that support the prioritization of uh, patients with uh, liver disease, in particular NFD, for vaccination and prevention programs.
0: I think that'll be really helpful and informative. I might take this conversation as in a different direction. But before I do that, let me ask Stephen, Louise, if you have any other questions you'd like to ask Luca about the meeting or the papers or anything else having to do with it.
2: This has been good. It's been insightful to hear some of the new research that's been done in various areas, whether it be COVID-19 and liver disease or genetics, non-invasive testing or the like. That sets the stage for a very exciting meeting, at least as it Pertains to non alcoholic fatty liver disease. Speaking about the meeting in general, we mentioned an enhanced digital platform. And I think one of the things I really liked about last year's meeting, looking back on it, was the fact that we pre recorded the sessions and the fact that we all came together at the end for a live. Q and A type format that hasn't changed, right, Luca? We're still going to have a very similar type uh, pre-recorded lectures followed by an open forum discussion. Yes,
1: this will be maintained for most of the meeting. I think that that was a key and a successful choice we had. That so to pre-record to be sure that everything was running correctly, but to be all live for the Q and A session to give a real a live experience of the, of the meeting. Uh, so that this will be maintained. We will try to enhance the interaction in the new digital edition and the possibility to interact with the speakers and with the chairs and among the participants as well. And, and we will also have other improvements as well. For example, we will improve the poster session, the poster tour. So last year, the, the, the first edition, the, the, there was some problem, for example, in view the posters. So the, the, this year, the, the experience will be much better. and We have a short presentation the poster we will try to further improve the live experience of the meeting.
2: Yeah, that's terrific. I don't mind giving a Q&A session at four o'clock in the morning, but giving a lecture at four in the morning might be a bit challenging. So I like the fact that we can pre-record the, the sessions and then come on live. My only wish is that we could do that in our pajamas rather than dressing up, you know, at, at four in the morning, but that's okay.
0: You can be in a shirt and tie and shorts. Heaven knows that's been done enough in the pandemic.
2: No, that's true. But you know, one of the beauties of easel for at least Americans or at least Texans is to go see the beauty of Europe. And Italy is certainly one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I look forward to getting back to actually being a part of it in person. I still think that easel would do wonders to have a hybrid meeting, you know, have that online digital component to it. But certainly uh, looking forward to 2022 being being back live is possible.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. But actually, we have already started working at it last week. So we hope to uh, be able to host the hybrid meeting in London in 2022. already started working. Well, that'll be fantastic. And Milana is on the list. for uh, the Back next at the meeting. Excel Center for Louise.
0: <laughs> that,
3: fantastic. We can be on the yacht. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Luca doesn't know about the yacht, Louise. I'm afraid you're going to have to tell him a little bit right now. Go ahead, tell Luca about the yacht.
3: Normally you use, you use the Excel, Luca, and I'm currently at the Excel. as a matron I'm rolling out the vaccination program there. But there's a very big yacht next to it called the Sunborn, which uh, was giving NHS discounts. So I stayed there and did the podcast a couple of times from there. So we've decided that should be our home for Easel when it comes back to London. <laughs>
0: And, and, we, and we will then podcast live from the yacht. They both will be perfect, I think. So I guess I just have one more question. First of all, Luca, thank you. This, is, this has been a, a fantastic overview, and I think to whet people's appetites for all the exciting things that they can look forward to at the end of the month when the conference occurs. But this is a bit of a wild card. But at the end of every conference, something emerges, maybe that you didn't even expect, that winds up having a, a tremendous impact on how people think about some aspect of disease. And Luca, without giving any information, you're not allowed to, and Steve, even Louise, me, this might be close to a wild guess. What would you think might be the area where something will come out of this conference that will really shake people's thinking? And I'll tell the audience, nobody had preparation for this question. I just kind of thought of it as I was listening to Luca. So if we all stumble around a bit, that's my fault.
3: I'm going to jump in on this and I'll take the hit for it. But I think it could be diabetes and NAFLD and NASH, because obviously there is a growing number of diabetic patients dying of liver disease that really we could be detecting and preventing. But there are an awful lot of people developing diabetes because of poor liver health. And I think I would like to see that, although we've racked this up over the last few years in various other conferences, Um, EASEL last year, obviously NASHTAG, the recent Global Summit, and ASELD last year. Actually, the World Health Organization now with International NASH Day. I think we're almost there where maybe this meeting could be the straw that breaks the camel's back and we could really see screening of diabetes, location of early liver cancers and cirrhotic states that we can reverse. And actually moving forward, that's very exciting. If we can open this door now between endocrinology, diabetes and that awareness, I would love this conference to deliver that.
0: Stephen, Luca,
2: next. Well, I think it would be only appropriate to have Luca tell us his thoughts since it's his meeting. Then maybe I can add some color around that, but I'd love to hear Luca's Thought. Well, I mean, I love uh, to
1: hear more about uh, the, the impact of diabetes, and how will be improve uh, absolutely. We will have new data telling us how to better uh, identify patients with diabetes at uh, risk of disease progression, and probably we will have also results concerning drugs and therapeutic approaches that will be particularly useful in patients with diabetes and this metabolism. We will have the initial data. So there will be breakthrough, final results of phase three study that will change the therapy immediately in this condition. But I, I think that we will have a, a very interesting results that will, will change our view to think the disease and what are the uh, the main therapeutic targets that in the end we will exploit to treat the disease. Uh, I agree also with uh, Stephen, probably we will go towards uh, combined approaches and our personalized approaches targeted to specific subgroup of patients and Particular, those with type 2 diabetes will be a group which has a high need of uh, affected therapies. I'm particularly interested in, in, in new classes of drugs that target genetic markers of the disease because, uh, uh, in my view, there there is robust data that these proteins, uh, these targets, play a very important role in the pathogenesis of this condition. And I'm very curious to hear the, the results of these initial studies. From my point of view, I think that they, they will may change the, uh, the strategy, the therapeutic strategies in the future. That would be big. That would be big. Stephen, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I think very few Congresses, at least in the 20 years that I've been attending them, do I walk away with, you know, an, oh, wow, this changes immediately what I'm going to do. You know, maybe looking back when Harvoni, when the data was presented with Harvoni, and maybe the data before that, when Pharmacet presented their original data looking at viral load of zero on PCR in 100% of the patients, and that gave us an oh wow effect that we could literally cure hepatitis C, and it was on the forefront, and we were going to do it very, very quickly. That's not a typical meeting. Usually what I walk away with are incremental advances that are more broad ranging and that cover a broader spectrum. So to Luca's point, on the therapeutic front, You know, showing us more data on different targets, whether they be targeting PMPLA-3, HST-17, beta-13, getting after fibrosis through potentially novel mechanisms, looking at interesting combinations of therapies preclinically, or maybe from a genetic profile. You know, are we knocking down genes by combination therapy that we otherwise wouldn't knock down if we had monotherapy? Those are foundational. Those types of studies set the stage for the future clinical drug development that we'll see in future easels and future ASLDs. What I would love to like, what I call disruptive technology, what I would love to see us show, if not here at a future meeting, is taking those steps that begin to crystallize endpoints for NASH drug development in the sense that today we're using histopathology, but we're using a blunt instrument to define endpoints. We're using semi-quantitative assessment for ballooning, lobular inflammation, portal-based inflammation, fat and fibrosis. And we have this super wonderful technology called AI Digital Path. And how do we incorporate that now and overlay that with semi-quantitative analysis? Just looking back, where we've seen drugs fail, is it really the failure of the drug or the failure of the endpoint to pick up the changes that were occurring with the drug? And We've learned through data published predominantly in the Journal of hepatology that there's intense variability in liver biopsy reads from one pathologist to the next and so the next iteration is a beginning to develop a consensus read by two or more pathologists so we're taking an iterative step forward by going from single reads to combination consensus reads. Now overlay that with fully quantitative assessment. Not replace semi-quantitative, just augment the pathologist's read. And then I think the next step, this is futuristic, would be that we pivot to a fully quantitative assessment. And then we bring in our non-invasive test. We overlay that against the fully quantitative read, show data there, and then the future is we replace fully quantitative with non-invasive technology, not only for the therapeutic efficacy, but for long-term outcomes. We're getting closer, and I expect that there will be something that comes out of this meeting that will drive us even closer to that paradigm. But that's a little bit of disruptive technology in the way I'm thinking about where we're headed with drug development and NASH, but I'm excited to see what's going to happen relative to that.
0: So, um, Stephen, you've talked about that subject a bit recently, and I was actually going to steal it is what I was hoping for. But you talked about it before I can steal it. So now I'm going to have to get creative really quickly. I I had the experience this weekend of... uh, looking for television sets, and realizing that every generation has better clarity and better color. The broad reaction to the Furman, which was only a week ago, right, was that this may be more complex than simply Nash Drugs fail. The stock market reaction, which punished some drugs more, and Caro, virtually not at all, for example, suggested that they didn't see this as a class failure, but simply as an idea that things are getting a little more complex. So what I'm looking for from this meeting really is for the stories that are told about the drugs and the genetics together to improve the clarity of the picture on the screen. I think you're right, it's very rare that you come out of a meeting with one paper that goes holy wow and usually if that's going to happen you know about it beforehand but really what I believe we've observed over the last year and a half is with some fits and starts much greater clarity about how the disease works and therefore how to diagnose it and different thoughts about how to treat it and contributions that different kinds of drugs or or, or lifestyle interventions can make. And I'm hoping that that picture gets clearer and that the linkages get clearer because the optimist in me says maybe we can even treat more thoughtfully before the drugs arrive. So that's what I'm going to be looking to see, whether in fact we can start to get a more consistent, coherent picture that includes things like How do we get to NIT-based diagnosis? And when is combination therapy appropriate? And what are the benefits that it brings over monotherapies in ways that we wouldn't have anticipated? It's a broad hope, but it's a hope just generally the picture gets clearer as compared to we get more interesting data points, but wind up scratching our head. That would be mine. So does anyone have any... else they'd like to add to this conversation?
3: The only thing I'd like to see at the end of the conference with things like Furman, is actually a lot more hope and positivity for the patient community, that we're moving in the right direction. And I get the sense, having looked at some of the abstract titles in all different disease areas, that there is a sense of movement forward in a lot of these topics, particularly diabetes, non-invasive technologies, AI, and beyond the biopsy. So I would hope that my sense of feeling from the abstracts is that that's where we're heading and that there's a lot that the patient community can take forward and I can take forward with the patient community.
1: I completely agree. I mean, there would be as Stephen discussed before, uh, new data on a quantitative assessment of uh, liver biopsy presented and comparison between different biomarkers and some uh, initial data on uh, the impact uh, of uh, the ability of biomarkers to predict long-term outcomes. So uh, I think in this way, uh, a significant step in, in the direction, and I hope that this in the future. And I am confident that, 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 that this will happen. Uh, I share uh, Stephen's vision. Uh, will help to select the better biomarkers, uh, which will improve uh, also the, uh, the clinical trial process and, and will uh, avoid to, I say, waste uh, g- g- even good drugs that uh, maybe fail or not because they are not good therapeutic approaches, but because of uh, we were not, it's still difficult to demonstrate their uh, f- efficacy given the current limitation in clinical trial required liver biopsy with all the limit, current limitation of liver biopsy. Okay,
0: I, I think that's a great note on which to close. So with that, let me thank Luca for making himself available on fairly short notice and doing such a great job telling us about the conference. Stephen and Louise, I know that whenever we record on Tuesday, your schedule, that makes your demanding schedules even crazier. And Louise, that's before you start Reopenings of the Towers and Health location. So thank you so much for being able to carve this into your afternoon. With that, let me say goodbye to all of you folks and I will come back and do the business portion for everyone. So uh, Luca, Stephen, Louise, thank you. Stephen, Louise, see you again next week. Bye-bye now. This is the Business Report for Season 2, Episode 29, 29. Surfing the next Tsunami, and we have a lot of business to report this week. <laughs>
4: What does it mean that Surfing Nash is an official media partner for the Digital ILC 2021?
0: We're very excited to announce, as we did earlier, that Surfing the Nash Tsunami will be a media partner for Easel at the Digital International Liver Congress 2021, scheduled to run June 23rd to 26th. In terms of scheduling episodes, not much will change from last year. We'll hold a second preview session in two weeks, and then same-day podcast on June 24, 25, 26, and finally a wrap-up episode to be recorded June 28th and released on June 30th. We will announce a list of guests within the next two weeks. One wrinkle. Stephen will not be available in real time for the same day podcast and Louise will be available for only one. So our current plan is to have different panelists and interview them throughout the conference and to release their interviews as separate events, almost conversation length. We're also talking with Easel about posting interviews, previewing some of the conference's more exciting sessions as separate shorter posts before the conference begins. Another wrinkle. We're exploring making the same day podcast available to a limited number of live listeners. The way this has worked is you'd fill out a form telling us your email address and which sessions you would like to attend, and we email you back an invitation. We're planning to run one small offline test of the technology next week, and if it passes, begin the invitation and request process when we post our next easel preview session on June 16th.
4: Listener numbers just keep growing.
0: Last week, saw the second most downloads of any week in the history of the podcast, behind only the week of March 16th. Now, that week combined the launch of Liver Healthy from Echo Sense, Cronwell, and Modify Health, Week After Traffic from the NASHTAG preview, and a chemtrail, if you will, from the January 31st FDA webcast. It's interesting. People are coming less often and downloading more episodes when you're here. Could any of you educate me as to why this is happening, uh, what it means, and what you think we can do about it?
4: Surfing Nash welcomes Madrigal Pharmaceuticals.
0: Next week's episode is a discussion of the Global Liver Institute's U.S. Nash Action Plan, led by our friend Andrew Scott, Director of Government Affairs at GLI. It will take place immediately after the end of International Nash Day. This episode will be sponsored under a joint grant to GLI and Surfing Nash from Madrigal Pharmaceuticals. Rebecca Taub. Founder, director, CMO, and president of R and D at Madrigal will be with us. As the last line of the movie Casablanca goes, this could be the beginning of a beautiful relationship. I certainly hope so. And with that, I want to thank Luca Valenti, Louise, and Stephen for a great conversation today. Mike for taking material from a Tuesday recording session and getting it posted the next night, as he does at the end of every three day weekend in the states. And as always, Eric and Polly for all the things they do. We will be back at the end of International Nash Day on July 10th to discuss Global Liver Institute's U.S. Nash Action Plan. We hope to hear from you before then about the live audience for the digital ILC podcast, ideas you have about having folks attend more often, and anything else you desire. We also hope you'll join us on the 10th. Until then, stay safe, surf on, bye-bye now.
4: You've been listening to the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. Have any questions for the surfers? You can send them to surfingnash.com and we will answer on the podcast or the website. Thanks for listening. See you next week on the podcast.